Spirit Radio Podcasts. You're listening to Mornings with Wendy. Imagine if you would enter into probably the worst nightmare that any parent could imagine. And that's what happened to my next guest earlier this week when they were receiving a text message that an active shooter was at their 17-year-old daughter's high school in St. Louis in the United States. Three people tragically lost their lives at the shooting. Thank God their daughter escaped alive. In studio now to talk about the experiences, gun control and about gun control in the USA, we have Tobias Rinwright, theologian, ethicist and author of Professor and Moral Theology in Maynooth University. Thanks for being in studio with us, Tobias, for I imagine what has probably been one of the worst weeks of your life. Thank you, Wendy. Yes, it's good to be here again with you. It was a very difficult week for my family and I. And um, we were very happy, first of all, that our daughter, Claire, who is 17, is alive. But yes, she'll be scarred for life emotionally, uh, mentally, spiritually. Um, But yes, uh, on Monday, the 24th, my wife and I had just bought a car. We just moved here in August from St. Louis so that I could begin teaching as a professor of moral theology at St. Patrick's uh, Pontifical University there at Maynooth. And um, we finally bought a car, and we went to a late lunch at Barberstown Castle, and we were sitting there, and my wife got this emergency call from a friend saying, in capital letters, call immediately. And so my wife called her, and and my friend lives a block from the school, and um, said that there was gunfire going on. So we texted our daughter, Claire, immediately, and, and she had already been texting us. We didn't realize, and she was hiding in her classroom uh, and, and, and texting that um, there was a shooter there, active shooter, and she was reporting to us the gunfire as it was happening and the yelling and the screaming. And, and we, we, we almost collapsed in the, in the restaurant just not knowing if she was going to even survive, if we were going to the powerlessness the worst that news. you must have felt, and to have that image of your baby, you know, your daughter will always be your baby. Yes, um, hiding yes. from from gunfire. I mean, I'm texting to her. Where are you? Is the classroom locked? Are you with others? And she was. And, and I said, Are you behind a desk? Do you have things that you can throw at the person if they get in? You know, to defend yourself. I mean, I never imagined. You'd have to send a message like that in your life. And over there in the U.S., they have. And you're also, so you're in Ireland and she's in, you're not, you can't even be close to where this is happening. Right. I mean, I'm a former law enforcement officer, a former police officer. I've never been in a situation of this magnitude, but I've seen terrible things, people who have been shot. And, and so I know what might happen. And my wife is an ICU nurse. Uh, and in St. Louis, where she worked, she saw a lot of gun trauma. St. Louis is, well, until this past year, it was the murder capital of the United States. And um, we've been, we lived there for 17 years. And one of the reasons we moved to Ireland was to escape the violence. And our daughter, though, she is 17, so she only had this final year of high school before she graduates with her diploma. And she would have had to do an extra year to move to Ireland right away. So she decided to stay with friends, with family. And, and, and actually, her school is one of the most secure ones in all of St. Louis. It has all the doors are locked. There's 
metal detectors at all the entrances, sort of like the airport. Which is even hard for Irish people to get their head yeah. around that. You need metal detectors in schools. My wife has tried to get in there before, and she's been stopped just because she had some pepper spray on her. I mean, it's just very secure, and there's actually several unarmed security officers there. So this shooter, um, Orlando Harris, who was 19 and graduated a year ago from the same school, he shot his way in. and He shot through the door and got in. And, and um, we just, we were terrified and, and what were his motivations? This. Do we know anything about this guy? The police have found a note that he left in the car. And um, he apparently was a fine student there at the, the school. Now, there's two high schools that share the same buildings there. And my daughter goes to the Collegiate School of Medicine and Bioscience, which shares facilities with the Central Visual and Performing Arts School. Mr. Harris went to the Performing Arts School, and he was active in that. However, he apparently this past year felt very alone, without friends. In his note, he talked about how uh, no one cared for him, that he was very sad and lonely. His family tried to seek help for him. That's come out in the news the last few days. And they even found that he had this AR-15 style rifle, what is commonly called an assault rifle. He had 600 rounds of ammunition. I mean, he was planning. In the note, he said he actually referred to other school shootings, like in Parkland, Florida. I mean, actually, in December, it's going to be the uh, uh, it's going to be almost 20 years since um, uh, Columbine happened. And just this year alone, my daughter's school shooting at her school, that's the 40th school shooting in the United States just in 2022 so far this year. That's, so, it's, it's baffling, Tobias, and for people to hear that. And, you know, I know that there's people listening that won't have heard about this particular school shooting. Are we becoming so desensitized to this horror that is happening yeah, in the United States? Yeah, it's become kind of a normal thing in many places in the United States. And I, I fear that it will just happen anywhere. I mean, we just had... Uh, um, in Texas, Uvalde, Texas, we've had other places. I mean, it goes back, I mean, with Sandy Hook happened. I mean, that, uh, I mean, we, I thought these things, the shooting of our children. Would, this was an elementary school. Yes. Bring, you know, this to the attention of Americans and Christians in America. This this is a pro-life issue. And, and even the Catholic bishops have said so in America. And yet... That right now there's more guns in America, almost 400 million guns in America, and there's 350 million American citizens. More guns, there's more than, guns people. than people. And, and, and for a certain segment of American culture and society, there's more love for guns and the Second Amendment than there is for you know just the the right to human dignity and life. We might talk later in detail about that just in terms of the gun control issue and what should happen. But I want to just go back to how your daughter is doing um, and, you know, how you are doing. Uh, and just thinking of the unthinkable, what you've gone through, what she has gone through, having that experience of an active shooter being in her school. How are you all doing? Orlando Harris killed two people, a 61-year-old teacher named Jean Kuska and a 15-year-old student named Alexandria Bell. And he wanted to shoot more. He said that in his note. He had 600 rounds of ammunition. 
One of the reasons this didn't make the news as much was because only two people died, and the shooter himself died when the police arrived. The police did a good job in St. Louis this time. They responded. They were there within eight minutes, um, and, and they encountered uh, the shooter, and they had to shoot him to stop him, and he died as well. So the, the three dead there. And I'm sad for the shooter, I mean, and I'm sad for his family who tried to stop him. He, um, uh, I'm sad for everyone involved. Uh, and all the children, like my daughter who lived, and the staff and the teachers and the administrators, they're going to be traumatized for a very, very long time. My wife and other daughter, who's 12, flew to St. Louis yesterday to be with my daughter, Claire, and, and spends the next several days there. And we'll still determine uh, where to go from there. But hopefully, my hope is that they'll all return here together. Tobias, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about... Um the history of gun violence in the United States. This is your homeland, and you remember the first school shooting in 1988. Yes. Um, in 1988, there was actually a shooting at the high school that I attended um, for my first year when I was 14, 15 years old uh, in Pinellas Park, Florida. Um, in, I finished in 1983, and I was working for the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department in law enforcement uh, while I was an undergraduate at the university there, full-time both, and I was um, working, and I I remember seeing in the news, all right, there's a shooting, and it involved uh, uh, some guns that were stolen from a fellow deputy sheriff for the same department. Two students took, uh, these were 38 revolvers to my high school and, and went to the cafeteria, and they shot an associate principal and killed that person, and two other persons were shot. And um, I remember those students, they were arrested, and I was at the maximum security jail working, and I remember uh, just vaguely talking with them when they were um, uh, behind bars. And, and so this goes back a long ways. Uh, that was probably one of the earliest ones that made the news. Uh, and, and since then, there's been many, many more, obviously. And, and for example, Columbine, in 1999, uh, since Columbine in 1999, I, I read uh, just this week that over 300,000 children in the United States have been exposed to gun violence in their schools. It's it's a, it's one of those things that it's the, the facts are so stark that it's hard to believe that it's real. And when you think of, you mean you mentioned Columbine there, Tobias? Think of Sandy Hook in 2012. Every time one of these shootings happens. Um, each equally as tragic as the next. I think many of us think, okay, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the time that America wakes up and says something has to change. But it doesn't happen. Why not? Right. Um, Well, many Americans, they see the Second Amendment almost like it's on a tablet sent from God you know, like on the Ten Commandments or something. They have that, they see it as sacred. And and they forget that there's other um, elements to the Constitution and and amendments, and that's not the only one. Plus, at the time that it was written, uh, that was, you know, a couple hundred years ago, just after the War of Independence from uh, Great Britain. And, And the weapons at that time were muskets and things like that, and that was for militias, uh, it wasn't necessarily for 
every person have a gun, especially not the types of guns we have now. We're talking about, I mean, this, this shooter had an assault rifle, as you mentioned, and, and Tobias also mentioned earlier, there is more guns than people in the United States. That constitution, as you say, was written at a very different time. Um, but yet still, there is, you've got the, the gun lobby, the NRA in the United States, and as you say, many, many people who hold this particular uh, right, as they see it, um, it seems, uh, you know, higher than the right to life. Yeah. I mean, they see this as an absolute right. And if it is a right, it's actually supposed to be a right in defense of life. And, and the thing is that the guns now uh, are, they're not really defending life. They're actually killing life. And, what do you think should life. happen? I think it unfortunately may be too late the genie's out of the bottle. Um, I mean, the, there are many Americans who are very fearful that the government's going to take their guns away. And so, uh, actually, oddly enough, after these kinds of shootings occur, gun sales go up amongst such people because they're afraid that they're no longer going to be able to get more guns. And that that's a dangerous situation. So America right now, sadly, is very polarized and there are, although there's more guns than Americans right now, the majority of those guns are actually owned by a certain population, segment of the population. Which is? Uh, those who really interpret that Second Amendment in a certain way. Um, and, and, and many of them, unfortunately, identify as Christians. Um, I, and I, how, do we, how do we respond to that, Tobias, you know, especially from a moral and ethical perspective? And I know that there's many Christians listening at the moment, which the idea of owning a gun is just, uh, and, and what is happening at these shootings is obviously abhorrent. But, you know, you often see this phrase, pro-life, pro-gun, pro-God. And, you know, faith is lumped in with this whole issue of gun ownership. How do we navigate that as Christians? Right. I mean, uh, one author I know in the United States calls this gundamentalism. So it's a kind of faith that's a fundamentalism uh, that's conjoined with gundamentalism. Uh, as you just said, guns are right in there with faith and being American, whatever. So, um, I mean, again, we just have to really try to educate Christians about uh, what the Bible really says about, I mean, even if it is uh, we are called to defend one another and maybe even use arms. It should be a, a, in a proportionate way. And, and, and even the death of a sinner is something that God does not desire. And, and so, uh, uh, you know, there might be a place for weapons to defend life. I mean, obviously, uh, Ukrainians right now, I believe they, are, they have definitely a right to defend themselves. But these weapons, these AR-15s um, and... and that actually, AR doesn't stand for assault rifle, but it stands for Armalite, which was the first company that produced them. And the inventor, the designer of these guns, designed them for use in the Vietnam War. So these weapons uh, are used for war. They are intended to, to kill as many people as possible and do as much damage as possible. And if anything, right now, the United States needs to put a ban on these kinds of weapons if they can't ban everything. It even happened during the Reagan administration. There was the Brady Bill that did that, and Reagan was a Republican. And, and so it, it happened before. So we have to hope that maybe we can at least do that much and, and then incrementally perhaps do more. Tobias, just in terms of 
this journey that you've been on, what sort of res- support have you received from the community following the news that your daughter's high school had an active shooter in it, that, that she was there? And what sort of an impact did it have on your faith? So in, in America, I mean, the community there in St. Louis is doing much for uh, my daughter. There's counselors. We have many friends there. Uh, we have no family in St. Louis, but we have many friends there that are, are just as close to us as family. And they, they are doing so many things. People have offered to pay for the airfare for my wife and daughter to fly. Um, people have offered to buy meals. Uh, people here in Ireland, I mean, when we were, my wife and I experienced this as it was happening uh, and receiving the text at Barberstown Castle, the staff there took us to a room. They provided us with food and, and beverage, and, and we were there for at least an hour and a half or so, and, and just giving my wife hugs, and, and tears were coming out of their eyes, and people in Maynooth have been so wonderful, and on social media, all of our friends have been so supportive, with the exception of one or two who actually, I don't know why, they had the nerve to say that my wife and I should have known better and brought our daughter and it's our fault, which was just crazy. I mean, there's no way we can know. As we said, our daughter's school is one of the most secure things, but 99.9% of people here in Ireland as well back as back in the States have just shown us so much love so much love, and that has been grace. And that is where we have seen God's presence and God's spirit. Uh, Do you feel closer to God or angry? Or both? It takes a lot. I can take time to get to a space of forgiveness. Yeah, I'm not angry at God. Um, I, I feel like it's a closer time. Uh, I mean, we human beings, we are fallen, we have our biases. Uh, I mean, bad things are going to happen um, until God's kingdom comes in its fullness. Um, I just do not ever, I mean, you love your children you, and you love your family. You never want anything like this to happen. I, I don't blame God for it at all. I, I actually blame those in my country who are glorifying guns and and, and just perpetuating things. The politicians right now in my own former state, Missouri, the, uh, the governor as well as Senator Josh Hawley, who are supposedly pro-life and supposedly Christians, and I, I don't question that, but I do question that their response thus far has been, oh, good job, police, and we'll investigate this, we'll support the investigations, but they're doing nothing to actually address the root causes of the problem. I've been talking to Tobias Winwright, theologian, ethicist and author and professor of moral theology in Maynooth University. If you've just joined us, he's been sharing with us about his experience earlier on in the week when his 17-year-old daughter's high school in St. Louis in the US had an active shooter in it where two people lost their lives as victim and the shooter was killed himself. And their daughter was in the school, but thank God she is alive and well. Thank you so much, Tobias, for joining us. I know it hasn't been easy to talk about this. It has been, as, as we mentioned earlier, probably one of the hardest weeks of your life for you and your family. Uh, we thank God that your daughter is safe, that she's well. And we pray for you and your family and indeed for all of those who've been affected um, by this shooting and, and pray for wisdom <laughs> for, for leaders who make decisions on these issues in, in the United States. Thanks for joining us on Amen. Spirit Radio today. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.